Welcome to Firefighting in Canada, the podcast. You've tuned in for compelling conversation on hot topics impacting Canada's fire service. From Hope, BC, I'm Fire Chief Tom DeSorcy. For many years, the Canadian Association of Fire Chiefs and the Fire Underwriter Survey have uh, sponsored Canada's Fire Chief of the Year Awards. And for 2021, it's a pleasure to have both the volunteer and career Chiefs of the Year join us today on the podcast. First off, Chief Arnold Lazar, a volunteer Fire Chief of the Year from uh, Ganawage, Quebec. Arnold, a pleasure to have you uh, on the podcast today. It's, it's my pleasure to be here. As well as Fire Chief Bill Boys, the career Fire Chief of the Year, Chief Boys from Brampton Fire and Emergency Services, joining us uh, today from Brampton, Ontario. Bill, uh, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you, Tom, and uh, congratulations to Arnold as well. I know we're both uh, very honored to receive this award. So, so it's it's a good point to bring up, and and Bill, maybe I'll just start with you on that topic. What what did you what did you what was your reaction when you heard that you were uh, going to be the recipient uh, of this award for the career fire chief of the year? Honestly, I was uh, super surprised. You know, you, you get the notification and you have to read it twice, and it is such an honor. Uh, you know, it's been such a difficult year with COVID. Uh, that we are all dealing with as fire chiefs plus our regular business so it it's just to be recognized for that and as I say I am the product too of the efforts of an amazing team and just to be nominated uh, you know I know our mayor and council and our corporate leadership team and our police chief all had a part in it so that means a lot and I I truly am when I say honored to to receive this award. And Arnold to you uh, being named as the volunteer fire chief of the year what was your reaction when you heard? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll quote uh, FDR, and he says, uh, if nominated, I will not run, and if elected, I will not serve. Uh, uh, once again, uh, but with, as the same as Bill, I uh, was very honored to be nominated, um, and, and I figured uh, there's so many worthy people across the country. Uh, I'm, I'm going to accept the nomination, and uh, um, when uh, I got the email, it was a surprise and disbelief and uh, um, not quite used to all of the uh, attention on, on the, the award part. I'm, uh, through the Indigenous Fire Marshal Office project, we've been uh, talking about fire prevention safety and, and I'm used to that. But uh, when it was focused on my myself, I, I was a little bit reluctant but uh it is a team i mean in in our community we 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 do believe that it takes a community to child raise a child and i guess i'm a child of the fire service in in some respects most most of us seem that way feel that way i I know i do and arnold i want to talk more about your community in the area in fact your role in in a couple of different uh different avenues in the fire service explain please well, I'm um, I, I'm was the fire chief of a, a small indigenous community of nine thousand, located sixteen kilometers south of Montreal. Uh, we're volunteer, one of the last volunteer departments in the uh, in the region. But um, we we have uh, Montreal is an island with four bridges, and and we're the westernmost bridge. Um, we have a daily commuter population of 90,000 cars. Uh, we have the St. Lawrence Seaway, five kilometers runs through our community. And we have the uh, Canadian Pacific Railway 
lines that run to the States, to uh, Albany. Uh, and we have three major highways. So uh, uh, as a volunteer department, our, our risk and, and probability is very high. Of the four bridges that cross into Montreal, the our bridge is the only one that allows hazardous materials. So when we go to uh, not sleeping at night, there's many nights where we, we wonder what can happen. And, and we don't have the, the immediate resources, say, that a career department has at our disposal, um, where we, we rely heavily on uh, our neighbors for mutual aid. Um, obviously, I think in today's fire service, uh, a small department can't do everything. So it, it really is important to team build. And, and, and we've, we've been able to do that. Uh, I think the fire service knows no politics or less politics rather. And uh, in times of need, uh, people will help out. I think that's the case uh, and hopefully the case everywhere. And, and we feel it as well to Bill. I, I, and again, in comparison, uh, what are the challenges and, and how different is it when you're in the, in the larger center, say in Brampton? Yeah, thanks, Tom. And, and I think we have a lot of similar challenges uh, whether as a fire service across, across the country. I mean, Brampton is uh, 700,000 population plus uh, and growing rapidly. Uh, we're about 265 square kilometers. We have 13 stations. We uh, are a full-time career department, um, again, with about 550 overall staff. And I think our challenge from a, a fire and emergency service response perspective, again, in the similarity sense, is that we're all trying to do our best to reduce the impact of fire. And, and we know that through education and prevention, that is key. We know that we can't hire enough firefighters, build enough stations to mitigate or eliminate the risk of fire. And I think all of us as fire chiefs, our goal is zero fires, but we really have to rely, and this being Fire Prevention Week, on the, on the public, right? We're really trying to change people's behavior uh, to make the community safer. And the better that we can connect with our community, and, and that has inherited challenges uh, across Canada, but how we can connect with them, given all the other competing interests. We, we look at everybody is extremely busy with everything in their life. There's other hazards they're dealing with. How do we get people to have them be cognizant of fire safety? And that, that's a, a challenge that happens to us all every day. Um, and I think, unfortunately, uh, not as many people are affected by fire in the as a part of the overall population. But when it does happen, they are it's a devastating impact. I think it's an interesting point. We talk about the challenges. And again, what about Brampton's unique challenges that you face that are are something that, well, what keeps you awake at night? <laughs> I, I think just, you know, there's a couple of things, just the, the rapid growing population. So we have to make sure we're adaptive and flexible and, and meeting needs. We've been uh, uh, growing over the years. Uh, we're right uh, close to Toronto right in the heart of the GTA alongside Mississauga and Vaughan. Um, so again, just how we, you know, deal with this, this new influx of population and the hazards that come with it in terms of growth and development, we have to make sure that we're adaptable and flexible. And, and, and Brampton is a, it's a mosaic. We have uh, people from 234 cultures, people speak 115 different languages in our city. So how we connect with everybody to, to ensure fire safety is, is an ongoing challenge. And it really is something that we continuously work on every day. We mentioned the word challenge and uh, Arnold, maybe you can tap in and, and, and talk about the challenges of the last 18 uh, months or so, you know, the pandemic and in the volunteer fire world, it certainly is, is, uh, is tough to, uh, to keep members engaged, to, to bring members on. Uh, 
And uh, what was the impact in your neck of the woods? Well, being, being in the heart of COVID central, as we jokingly referred to, it was a, definitely a challenge. Now, uh, our community is, was, is very proactive in the sense that uh, as, as a First Nation community, we do have a hospital. Uh, we've had uh, events over the years that have f forced us to, to be more aware so we we do we do have an emergency preparedness law as a uh, not many first nations have a first uh, a law but we do have an emergency preparedness law that dictates our our actions um we were very proactive in the sense that uh, our task force which was our emergency operations center name uh, quickly uh, went into effect and and we shut down uh, the retail right away. Um, we do have two uh, uh, gaming houses. Uh, we we the, those were closed right away. Our education system went virtual three weeks before the province uh, decided. Um, so we we've been been very fortunate, and and we as as Bill mentioned, we did a lot of education about why it's important. We think that. Uh, gone are the days where government or authority will say, do this just because we, we did a lot of focusing on the importance of why it's, it, it's necessary. Um, and, and the community did very well. Uh, up until now, uh, of the 9,000 people, we've had two people um, uh, hospitalized. We've had nobody in intensive care. And more importantly, nobody has passed. Now, uh, that's a challenge to, through the, the the National Indigenous Fire Safety Council that we don't have that luxury. Um, we are helping other Indigenous communities to try and 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 work through the system. Now, Ganawage is a have community, so we're we're fortunate. There's many other First Nations that have housing issues, systemic water issues. Um, and, and this all ties into fire protection and fire service, but, but especially during the, uh, the, the COVID, um, if, if you have a housing shortage, uh, it's, it's hard, much harder for a community to isolate somebody. Uh, but, uh, uh, and, and, and once again, we're, we work, uh, the, the, the Indigenous Fire Safety Council works across different uh, provincial jurisdictions and it's not the same across the country. So we're trying to, uh, I say, uh, if we're dealing with one standard, we're actually dealing with nine standards, uh, which is a challenge. So, uh, but we are on a good path. Uh, we are using what we've done as an example for other indigenous communities. And, and I'm confident that together we're gonna get through this. And to you chief boys say uh, in terms of the pandemic and uh... And your community, uh, from fire operations and beyond, uh, the challenges. What, what, uh, what, what did you face uh, that may be different than the rest of us? Yeah, I think uh, it's no secret that Brampton's been extremely hard hit. Uh, there was times here in Brampton where we had about twenty, almost twenty-three percent positivity rate. Um, you know, and going back to the start of the pandemic in early March, there. Um, you know, I, I just give so much credit to our firefighters. When we were shutting the city down from an emergency management perspective, firefighters still had to come to work. They had to come in. It was uh, unknown what they were facing. It was uh, not easy. We were being, you know, uh, adaptable and flexible, but there was, it was a stressful time. 
and Brampton's been hard hit uh, throughout the pandemic. And uh, from an emergency management perspective and from a, a fire perspective, staff have stepped up so much and, and we're doing things now. And, you know, you hear the uh, the saying, you know, we're building the plane as we're flying it. And that's happening sometimes. I mean, our firefighters were uh, one of the first uh, around in the province anyways, to be able to participate in the vaccination effort and actually administer vaccines. And they did so for five months. And that wasn't something that we've done before. And we worked with our hospital partners at William Osler, who were fantastic. And, and we basically said, uh, you know, we're seeing 20% plus positivity rate. Speaking with the, the hospital CEO and the mayor and our CAO is saying, like, how can we help out? This is a time of great community need. Firefighters always step up all the time and help out. How can we do this? And we thought, let's, we have medical training. Let's get involved. We can do this. And to see the firefighters out in the community administering vaccines, if you would have told me that two years ago, I would have said that's absolutely crazy. We will not be. And now we're doing it. And it was very successful. So a tremendous kudos to to the staff that stepped up in so many ways across the department. And Bill, when you talk about the plane that you're building as you fly it, that plane's going to land one day. And uh, what what are we going to learn from this? And what changes uh, would you think initially will be made because of what we've learned? Well, I think just the general concept of how flexible and adaptable we are, how we can adapt our service delivery to community needs. I think as a fire service, we've shown that and we've done it so rapidly. I think we're going to see different changes with, you know, we talk a little bit about uh, maybe the, the institutionalization of the fire hall. The fire hall is just as a home and we've taken so much pride over the, the decades and centuries as a fire service. But now we see that, you know, we have to do things a little bit differently in terms of, you know, how we clean things and how we adapt to something like a pandemic that we haven't dealt with before. But I think it makes us stronger, too. And and I do think in some terms of our preparedness, our pandemic planning, just our our general uh, service continuity, I think we have a different lens on how we operate now and that maybe we always had in our back of our mind, but now it's really at the forefront. So I think it makes us stronger as a service. And we're going to see different departments that, you know, giving vaccines and doing different stuff, whatever the next need is, I think we can adapt and meet it. And I think that's what's really cool uh, and interesting as we go forward as a fire service. I'll ask you, Arnold, as well, from the volunteer perspective, uh, what we've learned. I mean, uh, what's the change that's going to happen in the fire department, at least in your area? Well, even even before uh, COVID, uh, we we've seen that the medical aspect of fire service has increased uh, exponentially. Um, I I believe the last statistics that that I have are are the, we we run we we run like an American department where we we have two ambulances in our in our uh, service and and eighteen hundred. Uh, medical calls versus 150 fire rescue. Uh, so we've, we've had to, I guess, adjust the, the service to, to a, a more medical-based service. Uh, at, at one point, uh, to be a, an, an ambulance technician, you had to be a firefighter. The ambulance calls got so uh, numerous and the demand was so great that we, we, we allow people to split. Like we, we do have uh, firefighters only and, and paramedics only. Uh, whereas in 30 years ago, it, you had to do both. Uh, um, and and we're, we're seeing, I mean, uh, in, in terms of the community preparedness plan, uh, we do have a hospital. And if the uh, 
the hospital has to be short-staffed and we can rely on the paramedics. Uh, uh, we have planned not only A and B, but plan up to F uh, where possible our, our, our first responders would be able to administer uh, uh, the, the dosage if needed. Uh, I mean, that, that's all part of our, our forward-thinking medical director. As, as Bill said, just being the need to be flexible. Uh, I, it, it's, 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 not, it's not your father's Oldsmobile anymore where you put the red stuff, the wet stuff on the red stuff, uh, to, to quote an old fire chief there. <laughs> Both of you have been involved, and we're talking in your role as, uh, as members of the Canadian Association of Fire Chiefs. And I, I love to hear your take. Uh, and your message to our audience and and of the newer fire chiefs in Canada that are thinking of getting involved in in so associations and being a part of of the the greater fire service, Arnold, what can you uh, throw in there in terms of your experience with CAFC, for example, and uh, and the benefits of of being a part of uh, of what we've all what we're all part of? First, first and foremost, nobody is smart as all of us. So what I've gained from the CAFC is, is just that, that uh, huge bank of wisdom. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, uh, BC is different than Mississauga. That's different than, than, uh, than, say, Newfoundland. And we all have challenges. But by coming together and sharing our stories, we get insight. Um, the same thing with, uh, well, with the National Indigenous Fire Service Council, uh, without the support of the Canadian Association of Fire Chiefs, we would not have the political uh, backing that that is required. I mean, it, it, when you're uh, advocating for funds, uh, you, you need to be recognized. Now, uh, the good thing is the CAFC has legitimacy in, in everybody's eyes and, and that I've met with. Um, and, and once again, the fire underwriters uh, is, is, is all working towards the same goal. Uh, and and uh, it, it's amazing what you can accomplish when you don't really care who gets the credit. And, and that's where um, it, it's that village mentality. Uh, so I've, I've been um, through the government relations week that the CAFC puts on, we get to to talk to the politicians and say, this is the, the scenario we're facing. And, and it's that education process that enables us to, to, to get a better understanding of the big picture. Chief Boyce, in terms of your message, if you could to, uh, to officers currently and, and future officers in the Canadian Fire Service. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, building on what Arnold said. It, it's so critical to have a support network. And, and as chiefs and chief officers, uh, sometimes you, you can feel alone or you're dealing with some very significant challenges. So to have somebody that's that's in the same boat that you can reach out to to have that network, uh, I think it, it's incredible. And it does make you a stronger chief. And sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And by reaching out and talking to other chiefs and uh, understanding what they're going through, there's probably a good chance if you haven't went through it, you are going to go through it. And to have that network, and I can pick up the phone and call Tom or, or call somebody across Canada and just to have that, uh, you know, sober second thought about here's what I'm going to do, here's what I'm thinking, or here's a problem I have, it makes you a better chief officer. And I think one of the challenges we have as a general fire service is we're, we're very fragmented, right? We work in municipalities across Canada. There, there's, there's thousands of us. But as a collective, 
we can be stronger. And through a means like the CAFC, which is a great organization, we can come together and help move the overall fire service ahead and make it better than when we all joined. And I think that's all our goal is that for the, the next chief officers and the next firefighters coming in, let's make it better. Let's make it a stronger service. And I think we do that together. We definitely don't do it uh, by ourselves. The future is upon us. And I, I would be remiss Bill, if I didn't talk about your electric fire truck, <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. I, I, I heard, and this is becoming a thing. I don't know if Arnold's got any plans for electric fire vehicles in the future, but maybe, maybe tell us what what's going on in Brampton with the with the, with the, with the new technology. Yeah, so you know, uh, like many uh, municipalities, uh, we declared in the city of Brampton a climate emergency prior to COVID, uh, and we see the challenges that we're facing with climate change. And we have a, a goal in the city of Brampton to reduce our emissions uh, by fifty percent or eighty percent, sorry, by twenty fifty. So we have a, a goal. And a lot of times, to be honest, you sit as the you know a fire chief and you think, well, what can I do? How am I going to help out with climate change? And sometimes there's not a lot of options. And we've done a lot of small things like we have electric riding lawnmowers now to cut our station grass. We have e-tools. We have a, a, an off-the-grid food shed at one of our stations that grows food uh, to help out in the community and food banks. But we thought, what can we do that's bigger? And uh, Rosenbauer had a concept truck that was touring around before COVID. We wanted to look at it. COVID came. It didn't happen. So we were investigating it and we challenged uh, my, my deputy chiefs and platoon chiefs to look in, is this feasible? Is this truck gonna work to serve the citizens of Brampton? And we did a lot of research and we were very pleasantly surprised. So we uh, we had some budget for a new truck uh, and this the electric truck, I will say it is more expensive. So that is one of the challenges now, uh, but we thought the return on investment through the emissions reduction, so helping to the environment, but also some of the reduction in maintenance costs and fuel costs made it a worthwhile investment. So we are uh, heading over to Austria in the next two months, uh, along with the city of Los Angeles to, to develop the truck for the North American market. It's currently running in Dubai, Amsterdam and Berlin. Uh, Berlin's been running it for months now and uh, has had nothing but success. So with, with new stuff, we know that there's probably going to be challenges. We're going to have to adapt. But I think, you know, as leaders and how we can contribute within our own municipality, Electric fire trucks are the way of the future. They're a little bit costly, so I know that's uh, you know financially prohibitive for some areas. But I think there's a return there uh, to the community. So I'm hoping that we'll have it on our streets by the end of 2022. I'm happy to share information with anybody as we get it, uh, and and we're excited for it. Chief Lazar, and I think the future is before us. Uh, and, and are, are are you making changes? Uh, what do you what do you see in the future in the fire service? What's what's tomorrow look like? We, we, we were proud when we went with the 600 PSI uh, European concept from uh, Europe, uh, with, with, with Rosenbauer. We have two Rosenbauer pumpers, uh, each with the 600 PSI uh, small diameter hose. Uh, so uh, that was good. Uh, um, of course, through the uh, Canadian Council of Fire Marshals and Fire Commissioners, they, they have worked with NFPA to offer the alternate fuel, the vehicle course. Uh, uh, we're seeing more and more uh, alternate fuel. Uh, I, I personally own a, an, an F-150 uh, Power Boost, which is the hybrid. And my wife drives a, an Escape Titanium, which is a hybrid. And um, of course, with Tesla, we're, we, we have to change how we're doing, uh, like honor the 
old portal power days of Jaws of Life. Uh, we really need to keep up with technology. Uh, on that aspect, I'm, I am going to push the, uh, the CAFC Executive Chief Fire Officer Program. Uh, I'm, I'm at the... Uh, I'm at the tail end of my career of 40, 43 years, uh, but I'm, I'm very proud that uh, one of our uh, uh, IFMO uh, co-workers, Jeremy Parkin, just uh, also received his designation as an executive chief fire officer. And, and, uh, and along the lines of what can younger members do, that is an excellent opportunity because it, it, it challenges you to, to think outside the box. It challenges you to look at different scenarios. Um, and I mean, 40 years ago when I joined the fire department it was basically, do you wanna help? Yes, well, um, it was more of a social club back then where we would get together and spend three hours after a car fire uh, in the station uh, partaking, but now it's it's focused on training, training and more training. So uh, that's, that's where I see the uh, the service going. Uh, uh, Bill would be very interested. Uh, Rosenbauer is a, a forward-thinking company, and we're proud to have. Uh, we I also have. We also have a hundred-foot platform. Uh, uh, but for so we're we're very proud of our equipment. Uh, I guess you can say. And um, but that's what we're going to have to do. The the I mean, as they change the battery. Uh, capabilities um, we have to adjust the world is changing all around us and yes we have to adjust and if anyone can adjust the fire service certainly can i appreciate your time today and uh, and thank you once again the uh, career fire chief of the year uh, bill boyce and the uh, volunteer fire chief of the year uh, arnold lazar chiefs thanks very much it's been a pleasure thank, thank you, you. Thank you for joining Firefighting in Canada, the podcast. Visit firefightingincanada.com for more episodes.